0: Get your quote today at progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.
1: Welcome to the Yachts and Audibles podcast post game edition. Jared Mack on the show. I'm Matt Preem. 45 to 6 victory for the Oregon Ducks over previously undefeated. Liberty out of Conference USA, the group of five representative in the New Year's Six Bowl games. There are now two undefeated teams left in college football. Liberty was one of them. They were the third. They no longer undefeated. This game, Jared, about, went about as much as we expected, um, the only like uncertainty or surprise or whatever way you would like to describe it was that Oregon trailed six to three in the first quarter or at the end of the first quarter, Um, and then they proceeded to rattle off six straight touchdowns, 42 unanswered points, uh, 584 yards of total offense. That is a bowl game record for Oregon. Uh, Bo Nix set multiple records. Tez Johnson set multiple records. Um, Bucky Irving became just the first running back in program history to rush for 100 yards in two straight bowl games over his career and left Oregon left little doubt that this game was never competitive. Uh, Jamie Chadwell said that, you know, they've got a long ways to go, that they know that the standard is um, Oregon (laughs) coach Dan Lanning, you know, Oregon held Liberty to its lowest rushing total of 168 yards this season. And Dan Lanning said that wasn't good enough. Uh, So 12 wins, a Liberty, a fifth, almost called it the Liberty Bowl, a Fiesta Bowl victory. Bo Nix goes out in style. Uh, Bucky Irving goes out in style. And we close the chapter of 2023 at, with a game that we all kind of expected this to be.
0: Yeah, no, 100%. Uh, I don't have a whole lot. I feel like you just absolutely said everything that was there <laughs> for a couple minutes. But, I, yeah, I mean, the game started off slow for Oregon. You know, they punted in the first quarter. And, you know, the final score would not indicate that they punted at all, but yeah. they sure did. Um, you know, six to three star Liberty came, elected to receive the ball in the kickoff and came right down the field and scored. Uh, you know, Salzer had a great throw in the back of the end zone for a 17 yard touchdown. And, you know, there was some, I don't know, some dismay from Oregon fans. Uh, you could see it, like Liberty fans felt like they had a chance. And especially when the next drive, Oregon's opening drive this hill for a field goal was kind of like, well, but then you realize like Oregon hasn't played in a month. This was still one of the best offenses in the country, if not the best offense in the country. And that all culminated in the second quarter. Um, I mean, Oregon absolutely dominated the second quarter. They outgained Liberty 280 yards to 50. They scored 28 points. Uh, Bo Nix was 14 of 16 for four touchdowns, and 188 yards in just the second quarter. Um, and then on the flip side, they also ran the ball for 92 yards, averaging 11 and a half yards in attempt. So that was the Oregon that we all knew and loved all season long. Um, and all they needed was one quarter. And then after that, it was just, there was nothing. I mean, Oregon had 14 more points in the second half, but by the time halftime came around and Oregon had scored another touchdown, Bonix's fourth, again, fourth touchdown of the second quarter to Treshawn Holden with three seconds left the game was over and it might've even been over before that um, because Liberty went for it on fourth down and got stopped. And it felt like if they had got that, it would have been a little bit more interesting, but Oregon's defense held. I mean, yeah. Liberty had 168 yards on the ground, which is the second highest. I think Oregon is allowed all season long, but yes. they came into the game averaging 302 yards on the ground. So they Oregon basically kept them at 50% of their season total Um, Their yards per carry was – well, they actually averaged six yards a carry, which to Dan's point, like, yeah, maybe it wasn't good enough, but still not bad by any means. It's still the season low for Liberty by almost 30 yards. Um, Yeah, I just – these were two unevenly matched teams. This was not fair to Liberty. This was the expectation. This is why it was an um, 18-point spread coming into the game. I think James Krippie, the Oregonian, before the game stated, like, if this wasn't a bowl game, was there anybody who thought that Liberty could just, I don't know, beat Oregon in a regular season matchup? And probably not. And that's how the game unfolded today. It was just uh, Oregon was just very clearly the better and more physically imposing team. And, And that really happened, you know, at the very end of the first quarter and the entire second quarter. And then that's all Oregon needed.
1: Yeah, you look at the drives. The, the game was won, like you said, in the second quarter because you look at where Oregon went, seven plays, 82 yards, 10 plays, 75 yards, five plays, 95 yards, and five plays, 68 yards for touchdowns. The last one coming with three seconds left in the second quarter in the first half. That Any chance Liberty had of, of – winning this game or, or even just relatively keeping it competitive, you know, went out, went down the drain at, at, at that moment, they had an interception. Uh, they had a, they had a play for seven, seven plays in 37 yards and marginal gain, you know, some marginal gains in the, late in the first quarter, didn't get anything out of it. They went three and out twice. And then they had another drive um, that was moving down the field. They were, they were just inside of Oregon territory, maybe. And, Um, I think it was Dante Manning tried to break up a pass and did maybe should have intercepted it, but almost tipped the ball right into a Liberty player's hands who would have scored a touchdown if if he had caught the football, but you know, the breaks basically went every, every direction for Oregon. Um, They later on get an interception. Um, There's a down, you know, another opportunity where Liberty got within like the 20 and, they, they faced a fourth down and they didn't convert and they turned the ball over on downs. And then their last drive of the game ended with a fumble. And really the only way Oregon was stopped. And after the first quarter was the ducks taking a knee when strangely enough, they ran a trick play yeah. with all their backups in the game and then proceeded to run a couple kneel downs shortly after that play, when they were like inside the 10 or something um, to end the game. But this game went, like we said, it's gone basically about as as much as we thought it would. And it's hard to make any big swooping opinions um, just based off of the quality of the opponents, the, the talent gap between these two teams. You know, like I asked Jamie Chadwell why it was so hard for them to run the football. And he said, like, they didn't do anything from a schematic standpoint we didn't expect. We were prepared for everything. That they had, they did everything that we saw on film. Uh, we just simply couldn't execute. And I'm paraphrasing a little bit, but his message was—he didn't want to say it—but his message was they were simply just way better than we were. And we, we, there's nothing an opponent like that can overcome. Um, and so, I, I don't really want to make too many, you know, wide-range opinions of this team. Like, we'll have discussions with when Eric Scopel on the show. You know, maybe later this week. of just kind of like where Oregon goes from here and what you know, questions or strengths we have on the offense or defense, you know, going into the off season. But this felt like a goodbye, you know, a closing of a book of a lot of guys' careers at Oregon. Obviously Bo Nix, um, he got his walk off, send off with the applause of all the crowd in the stands. Um, very next play, Bucky Irving did the same thing. We saw Brandon Dorlis get pulled. Um a lot of seniors close out their time with Oregon. I guess Bucky's a junior, but this is what this game ended up being: uh, a final goodbye, a final farewell, and a final hurrah for all these guys playing one more game. And that's kind of what they talked about post game: of just the, the the excitement of playing one more game and enjoying their time with their teammates.
0: Yeah, of course. And you know, it was a phenomenal way for for Boneyx to go out on top. Um, sets numerous records. Uh, touchdown passes in a bowl game by an Oregon quarterback touchdown passes in a single season by an Oregon quarterback uh, completion percentage in a single season in the NCAA. He yeah. edges out Mac Jones at the very end there. Got that was close, like- got hectic. Shout out Zach Neal. I know you were following that and, and doing your best in your little spreadsheet. We're proud of you. If you hear this, but you won't, but I mean, th- he was phenomenal. I think he ended the second quarter completing uh like 19 of 21 passes after starting with some drops early on. He was was four for eight. He was four for eight to start. Yeah. I mean, 14
1: straight completions
0: after that. He was just tremendous today. And that's the Bo that we've seen all season long. And it kind of goes back to, you know, like Oregon was so very clearly more talented. It almost kind of reminded me of like when Georgia played Oregon (laughs) two years ago, where you're like, uh, Oregon's not going to do anything right today. And that's kind of how it was for Liberty. But, It's still a good, Liberty is still a good opponent. Like everybody should feel good about this win if you're Oregon. Um, It was not close. It was not supposed to be close and it wasn't close. And that's always a good thing. Like you don't want this game to be, you know, a nail biter. You don't want it to be a seven point win or a three point win or even like a 10 point win. Cause then at at one point that indicates the game was close enough. So Oregon handled business. Bonix goes out on top. Bucky Irving had another great day. Um, I, I just think it was great that. You know, in the locker room after we were able to interview some guys and they all just, you know, trusted the execution. They all trusted each other. They all still, you know, basically love each other for this whole entire team. And even the guys who declared early, the Jackson Powers Johnsons, the Troy Franklins, the Kyrie Jacksons, they were all on the sideline to watch this game. And I just think it kind of speaks to the, you know, we talked about this earlier on the podcast, yeah. just the culture and the communal, like, feeling that this team has that they're all in this together no matter what um Taki Taimani I talked to him after the game and he was you know he was he was honest and it's like they were all really disappointed after losing in the Pac-12 championship game but at the time they were an 11-win team which wasn't anything to be sad about or anything to 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 not try to just celebrate this achievement Uh, and they went out and added another win they're the sixth team and Oregon program history to have a 12-win season, and yes, it didn't end in a national championship loss or a Rose Bowl win, but it was still a great season overall, and they took care of business, and you know they headed to next year, which we'll talk about for months now on the podcast um, with a ton of talent returning and a ton of talent coming in, so I thought it was a great
1: encapsulation of the season, just a dominant defense and a dominant offensive performance. Maybe that sets up where we should go next is there's a lot of questions now with with this team um we know bonix is done um they lose all-american uh jackson powers johnson to the nfl draft Bucky irving goes early um and there's there's decisions to be made now and you know guys have have gone on record saying they're uncertain of what they do next uh tied in terrence ferguson receiver Tez Johnson. Um, we also know linebackers Jeffrey Bassa and Justin Jacobs. Um, defensive lineman Jordan Birch. Uh, all those guys, I think that's five, all have NFL decisions to make. And Oregon's going to be a top ten, top fifteen team next season when the polls come out for the first year. And you know, but I, those five, while I don't think like any one of them is like the make or break of them being a title contender or playoff contender wildcard team or whatever you want to call it but collectively like if all five of them come back like we're talking about a team that could win 11 games again 12 games again next season uh if they all go like i still think they're going to be really good but it opens the door for a lot more questions that we have with this program and that's probably what the immediate future is going to be like for Oregon is just what does this team look like uh, going forward into, into the 2024 offseason? Yeah. And, and, you know, not trying to be kind of like, kind of sad about it, but
0: you know, the transfer portal deadline is January 4th. That's when the last day that you have to enter the portal. So there's going to be some changes for Oregon um, moving forward and, and into the offseason And, you know, and it's, there's going to be people who think the sky is falling and they're entirely right to do so. They're tired. They're entitled to their opinion, but it was that idea last year. Um, you know, when Oregon won against UNC in the whatever it was bowl holiday bowl in San Diego, and then there was a bunch of people who entered the portal, but um, with Dan Lanning and Tosh Lupoy Boy and Will Stein, who's coming around for another year, like, What they've been able to do in terms of evaluating and getting, getting talent on their team should alleviate some of those holes. If they do, you know, if they do open, if they are a problem that going into the off season and a lot of those guys could very well simply come back. And if they do, then the Oregon defense has a chance to improve. Honestly, they need to add some defensive linemen, but they got a bunch of guys coming in and, Onex is gone, but Dylan Gabriel's coming in. There's a lot to like about where Oregon is going. And then on top of it all, you go into the Big Ten, where um Michigan's gonna have they're gonna have a say in who is the best team in the Big Ten, and so is Ohio State, but and Penn State for that matter. But from there, you know, Oregon's right there with, with Washington, whatever they're whatever they're gonna look like next year. Same with USC, and UCLA. So it's frankly, to me, it's an exciting time because you get to see you know who's leaving who's coming in and all that stuff and get to you know have these ideas about what this team could become and you know I think this year's team was a good encapsulation of like well if these pieces work together they should be in competition for a, a playoff hunt yeah. and they were right there and they were a couple plays away from being in the College world playoffs on today just later in the day and that's I think with Dan and Tosh and all those guys like I mentioned earlier that's going to be the standard. And unfortunately that's going to be the standard. So when it's a year like this and you don't go to the playoffs, but still win 12 games, there's a little bit of a, of a disappointment to it, but this should be it. This should be the standard is like a 10, 11, 12, one season. And I f- fully believe that that's where Oregon is headed. That's where they're at right now. Um, and it showed on the field. Again, There's a bunch of young talent who came in and, and showed their worth in this game against Liberty and, it's a lot, of, a lot of exciting prospects to look forward to, in my opinion.
1: I think for me, the closing this conversation, this, this podcast up, I think this was a pretty impressive showing by the top of the food chain, which is Dan Lanning, mm-hmm. and the trickle-down effect that he got everybody below him, whether that's the assistants, the analysts, the GAs, the training staff, and then towards the the veteran leaders all the way down to the true freshmen that in this game against this opponent with the season that they had, you just talked about, they they went 11 and two, and they didn't make the college football playoff. Um, Very easily we could have seen this team have a bunch of opt-outs. Yeah. And that didn't happen. And then very easily we could have seen, okay, well, they didn't opt out. But – they also kind of just drastically overlooked their opponent didn't take the week seriously didn't you know they really struggled against an inferior opponent or had to you know pull a rabbit out of their hat right to win a game that they should never have been close with let alone lose and that this game was over three you know two, three or four drives into the second quarter and i think that speaks it doesn't have anything to do with the opponent but that just speaks so i think so proudly or, or positively about where this team's at culturally where landing's at with what he has in this program what he's building in this program and where it can go forward like the buy-in is you know we, we neither of us had any doubt of the buy-in from the players but this is just yet another example of like this team's pretty darn special from a connection standpoint from a talent standpoint and it feels like it's only getting better and as long as they execute I feel very confident that this team's going to have the talent and the depth and the coaching and the leadership that the sky's the limit like yeah I, I I'm not going to say they're going to win a title in two or three years because that's so hard to do but like they're going to be in the discussion as I, I I feel very confident every single season no matter who they lose under Dan Lanning, right now, the way things are going, this program will always be in the discussion to be in the title line.
0: Yeah. And like I was saying earlier, you know, the expectations from the last two seasons of Dan and the yep. recruiting and everything on the outside and the inside, that 10, 11, 12, one season is going to be kind of the universal standard. And, you know, it kind of sucks that like, we're putting this designation on them that they got to be in that realm. But that's the reality, though. It's the reality. It's they have. Um on purpose, like they've they played their way into that contention. You know, they absolutely walloped a 13 and 0 team. And I know that Oregon was much better than but all year long, other than those two losses to Washington and the Texas Tech game that was close, you know, they walloped teams. They again, like before the Pacto Championship game, uh national correspondents were like, you know, the last team I want to play is Oregon. Yeah. Like they were they they were that bad of a team all across the season but you know losing one of the most important games of the year so they have put themselves in that position not by mistake it's by dedication and communal like that family environment that they've built as a program as a team uh developing players acquiring talent you know like a good organization or program does so you know i don't want to be like Putting them like up, up for failure if an eleven win season is is not what it should be, but you know they're playing, they're recruiting like they're going to be in that 10, 11, 12 window for the next for for the foreseeable future. I don't know how many years that may or may not be, but they're doing it right now, and I expect them to continue to do so.
1: Oregon wraps up the season uh, twelve and two on the year. Uh, we now go into off season mode for the Oregon Ducks. We figure out. Uh, We'll have discussions of portal departures, portal additions. Those will be happening both sides. Uh, We'll be tracking what happens with the February signing day period. Does Oregon get involved with any new names from a high school or junior college perspective? Uh, And then it's the NFL decisions. And we'll be waiting to see what those happen, you know, when those drop, I would suspect it. It wouldn't be a shock if, if we wake up tomorrow morning and Tez Johnson makes his decision of, of, coming you know staying or going pro uh they have until january 15th i believe to make those decisions so yeah. they've got about 14 more days um till it happens uh and then before you know it we're at spring football and the early enrollees have, have started to arrive we'll have information on that um a full recap of the 2023 season kind of where it goes next we'll be on the docket for the podcast but for now enjoy New Year's Day, enjoy the college football playoffs and the finishing touches of that, uh, and enjoy this win in the Fiesta Bowl and a capping off of a great season for the Ducks, 12-2 and for the sixth time in program history. Until the next one, you've been listening to the Odds and Audibles podcast.
0: Merry New Year.